and welcome to the uh, belated second episode of the uh, Pencord podcast. Apologies for the uh, delay in this one. We had a few uh, um, things we had to re- reorganise in terms of our, uh, our, our, our events, so a slight delay on this one. But uh, welcome back for the listeners who have stayed with us um, uh, this far uh, to, on Cordcast, which um, hopefully is going to become a, a regular thing uh, a regular uh, insight into uh, the world of uh, pen called and operational research modelling um, for the uh, for the health service. Um, so, for those who don't know, my name is uh, Dan Chalk. I will be your your host uh, for this uh, for this uh, podcast. Um, and uh, as with last time, we are joined today by a very special guest. Um, Hannah Trebilcock from, uh, well, now of Devon Air Ambulance, uh, formerly of uh, the uh, South West Ambulance Trust. Um, and uh, Hannah was one of our uh, very first HSMA. So welcome, Hannah. Welcome Thank to our you. podcast. Uh, great to have you uh, with us today. Um, so we thought we'd, we'd use um, uh, these uh, uh, these uh, podcasts as a way in which to uh, gain a little insight into some of the work of our um, associates um, and find out a little bit more about them and uh, also to find out if there are sort of uh, modelling uh, projects that they're interested in or, or undertaking now. Um, just to say for our listeners, if you're interested in um, the HSMA programme uh, or anything else that we do within Pencord, um, do check out uh, our website easiest thing is to uh, google us um uh if you google pencord p-e-n-c-h-o-r-d um you will you will find a link uh, to our penclark website um and uh, there's lots of information on there including information uh, about the hsma program uh which we're hoping to run uh for a third time uh, in the future so do uh, do stay tuned for more information on that Fantastic. Well, so welcome again, Hannah. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, how did you uh, uh, sort of get into uh, your career and where you are now? Um, so I started with the ambulance service about seven years ago, it was a bit more than seven years ago. Um, and I just went in as an admin assistant originally into the okay. research and audit department. Um, gradually moved up into the depart in the department. Um, doing started to do trauma audit work mm-hmm. um, and then that kind of grew as well into um, other other clinical audit areas and in terms of the you know starting the modeling stuff it was originally just coming along to the workshops run by Pencord um, and myself and our other team members you know could see how beneficial it could be mm-hmm. um, but we always struggled with the time yeah. we always struggled with having you know being given enough time to properly learn it and explore it so when the HSMA program came up it just seemed like an ideal opportunity to be able to um, have some ring fence time to properly learn modeling and see the benefits that it could have for our organization um, and was was your organisation? This is the ambulance trust at the yeah, time. Yeah. Were, were they sort of already on board with the, the idea of modelling, or was this something that was relatively new to them? Um, well, my boss was obviously um, Sarah Black, who's um, involved with the Pencord team. But modelling, I don't think, was something that the trust overall had done mm-hmm. before. It wasn't something they were familiar with. 
Um, it was a you know sort of a new concept really. Yeah. Um, and I think we were quite uh, um, in silo a little bit in like our team mm-hmm. in that we could we could see the benefits it might have, mm-hmm. um, but we had to kind of sell that once you know once we'd done the the program and we had some results and we were trying to share that learning. We had to really sell the you know what modelling did. And what yeah, yeah. Used. So I guess the trust actually made quite a big sort of leap of faith, if you like, in, into investing non-trivially in, in, yeah. um, in, in the, the training for these methods and, and then, as you said, later with the HSMA programme in particular. Um, uh, so how did you sort of kind of first hear about HSMA? What, what sort of... Uh... Um, I think it was through coming to the, to the workshops. Right. And it would have been Sarah, you know, sort of um, keeping us updated on it. Um, so I think I think that's where it would have all started from. Yeah, it and, takes a long time ago. <laughs> and did you immediately sort of were you sort of drawn to the, this idea of potentially as of learning more about modelling? Was this something that appealed to you? Yeah, I think I think we just I'd already done so from the um, from the training modules. We'd then used that before the HSMA program. We, mm-hmm. because the I think it was the closing of MIUs. Oh yes, yes. So that very very start off model in Excel um, was very applicable to some of the work that I was doing with the trauma, mm-hmm. and um, and we were able to just tweak that model mm-hmm. um, so it applied to what we were doing, and and that sort of started the ball rolling in terms of people seeing, oh, okay, th- this method could really help us. So, yeah. um, especially when it was more about, you know, if if they are closed in areas, how does that affect the ambulance service? How does it affect patient journey times? And how does it, you know, um, impact on the other hospitals in the area? Yeah, yeah. Um, and the other, so the external hospitals that were then getting the reports from us for that, you know, thought it was fantastic. And I guess that's a... That's a a good fit isn't it for what uh, a lot of the work that the ambulance trust does in terms of you know thinking about problems uh, very geographic problems and geographic configurations yeah, yeah a lot of ours was geographic which is why obviously the hsma program initially was more of a discrete event simulation yeah, stuff yeah. and i kind of pushed that <laughs> didn't i and ended up um going back to modeling in excel to do to be able to do a geographical model and it was, I think it was great that you did that, actually, because um, you're right in that the, the first iteration of the HSMA programme, we, we, we weren't, you know, this is very new, we were piloting it, we wanted to keep the uh, focus as tight as possible, um, so we were looking at sort of pathway modelling and using discrete event simulation uh, to do that. Um, and uh, I think in part, actually, because of the work that you did, it, it sort of opened our eyes to the need to, to expand much more widely. So in the second run of the HSMA programme, we actually opened up to, to anything, really. Anything that was um, could come under operational research, you know, even uh, things like machine learning, developing AI, network analysis, system dynamics, huge amounts of, of, of stuff. Um, so it was it was really good. I think that we had that that initial experience with you to see that that there was real potential for that. Yeah. Um, so tell us about your, a little bit about your HSMA project. What 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 were you trying to do with that? So we'd um, been doing a fair bit of work in cardiac arrest within um, within our department, and we're finding that survival rates um, differed 
massively, <laughs> depending on the hospital that the patients were taken to. Um, and there was also some sort of anecdote, anecdotal evidence about, in some areas, crews were bypassing certain hospitals because they thought they'd be able to give patients better care right, in a yeah, different yeah. hospital. Um, so we thought, okay, so there's also other areas um, in the country where they have um, cardiac arrest centres, mm-hmm. you know, heart attack centres that um, are more specialised. We don't have that in the southwest currently. Um, and we were sort of looking at if, could you bypass, you know, would it be safe for patients to bypass a hospital in cardiac arrest mm-hmm. to get them to a more specialised centre? So we did a bit of logistic regression first, have a look at um, which hospital, you know, sort of ranking the hospitals. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then we used a bit of, you know, looking at whether the, a certain group of patients who are called the Utstein group of patients who are um, more likely to survive a cardiac arrest, you know, whether they had a, you know, all those sorts of things and whether that impacted. Mm-hmm. Um, and travel time was another, obviously, we were looking at, you know, is there a, is there a cut-off? We, ex- we assumed that there would be a cut-off point at how far you could travel before it would, um, you know, not be safe for the patient, which right, we didn't yes, find. Threshold, which was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that, was a, that was really surprising. Um, and that's, I think, that's what we struggled with then trying to disseminate that and internally yeah. is that people couldn't get their head around well how could that be yeah. um, but there's you know there's lots of different decisions that go on within cardiac arrest before a crew decide to even take a patient yeah, yeah, you know if, yeah. they've, if, if they've been sort of in arrest for a long time then they won't convey them so already the people who are being conveyed to hospital have a better you know probability of survival yeah. at that point um so, so yeah, so we, we kind of looked at uh, regionalisation of cardiac arrest centres and, mm-hmm. you know, what could you bypass? And uh, the end result, you know, the end of my project, it looked as though, yes, you could actually. And we identified, you know, sort of three different options of, you know, and how you could increase survival rates mm-hmm. um, using those options. It was, there is a huge political side to it because yeah, as an ambulance trust it wasn't um you know we had to be very careful about just saying right you know the hospital trusts aren't involved you know are completely different yeah, organizations yeah. Yeah. to the ambulance service so um it's there was a huge thing about getting the buy-in from the hospitals yeah. um and i think since it's been um sort of turned on its head and and they're sort of saying, right, well, if these hospitals are better, what are they doing that we could do better? Right, okay, so it's turning so, a learning experience for, yeah. for those trusts. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's a really nice outcome, actually, in, in terms of, um, uh, as you say, what's potentially a very politically sensitive mm-hmm. topic. I mean, what was sort of, were you sort of involved in any of the sort of discussions, the, the dissemination of your well, results or because I you know awkwardly went off and had a baby yes <laughs> yes very, um, very, very awkward it's, ha- it's happened uh, twice I, yeah. I would say uh, both from the ambulance trust so we've, we've got our eyes on, on the uh, ambulance trust for the third iteration of it so, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so I didn't I sort of got the model to the point because it became a condensed program for me mm-hmm. um, 
and I think I did two days a week in six months. Um, so I got the model to the point of finishing the model and having the results ready yeah. and presented that internally. But then um, it was Sarah and um, my colleague Jess who then sort of did the uh, external stakeholder event and yeah, yeah. Um, art months I was on maternity leave. So I, d- I wasn't yeah. actually involved in all of that, but so that's why I'm saying, you know, I think since yes, <laughs> that's yeah, what yeah, happened. Yeah. You know? Um, and, and that's uh, so. How did you uh, how did you find doing a piece of work like this kind of differed from what you were doing at the time? I mean, it was completely different methodology, really. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of work that we were doing within the department that was the same. You know, sort of uh, producing quality indicators. Mm-hmm. So it was you know sort of doing the same on a monthly basis of mm-hmm. what we were looking at and then doing sort of standalone audit work um but the modeling just i think just comes at it from uh, i think there's obviously different a different problem that you'll you have to be presented with the problem mm-hmm. to need to answer it um and i just think it's yeah kind of it was a completely different um a different method of working yeah um still sort of using the same systems yeah yeah um so programs that i was familiar with a lot of what i was doing was in excel mm-hmm. um and it was great learning simulate because and i although i didn't use simulate for mm. my actual model in the end i could see the benefits in using it for um visualization yeah so just yeah. being able to kind of communicate that to you know the sort of senior managers and things yeah they like to see you know people going across the screen yeah absolutely yeah. <laughs> being spread out in different places so um, it's a great way to generate sort of dialogue about a system isn't it when when you're when you're trying to sort of talk about it using a common language that's, yeah. that's really useful and obviously excel as well you know <clears> it's not something that you can take to a presentation and say yeah, well, yeah. look at it this is doing this and this is doing this so um so yeah so i think that there was a benefit of that. Yeah, and how did your, so I'm guessing a lot of the people you worked with, this was kind of very new to them, what did they sort of think about what you were you were doing? Were you just the sort of the odd person in the corner doing something nobody really understood? Or? Uh, no, I, think, I don't think there were, I don't think there was many people who kind of didn't understand what I was trying to do. Yeah. Um, so I think they were just sort of like a handful of people who kind of didn't understand what I was trying to do. Yeah, yeah. But the there were just sort of like a handful of key people mm-hmm. who were really, really interested. Yeah. Um, some of them had, you know, slight uh, bias of, it <laughs> of why they were interested. But, um, you know, they were really impressed with the results, loved the methods, you, yeah, yeah. you know, really keen to see more of it. Yeah. So, um, Do you think that that helped sort of raise a bit of awareness of operational yeah. research within the trust yeah you know? yeah definitely yeah i think because once it you know there were a couple of people who really weren't convinced by the results mm-hmm. um but in terms of the method of being able to look at something before making that decision of yeah uh, you know what could be a really important decision for patients being able to have some evidence that says well this is what it could look like yeah, if you yeah. do this yeah you know, and this is the impact it could have. Yeah. That really changed, um, you know, sort of the mindset of senior managers of, oh, could we use this? You know, could we use yeah. modelling for this? Yeah, yeah. Became a question that you know was 
became more and more frequent. And that's great because I think that you know it was one of our aims of HSMA going in and, and remains so to this day. This idea of you know. Uh, you guys being champions essentially of this stuff um, and just raising awareness that this thing's out there which is often the first hurdle because um, very often uh, people don't know about um, uh, operational research. I mean the whole term operational research is is horrible in itself. We don't like the name. Uh, it doesn't really describe what it does very obviously. Um, uh, but actually I think if you can then show people uh, the sort of thing that you can do with this and you know that you as you say you've got that power to be able to create a, a, um, a, a simplification of your reality that allows you to then sort of play around with it and provide predictions and evidence to support those decisions um, then it gives a lot of uh, a lot of power to it I think and people can sort of really buy into that yeah. um, no I think I, th- I think that's a that it's um, it's really important, I think, moving forward with HSMA, that's a, that's a sort of big thing that we want to sort of really promote. And I think um, that the increased size of HSMA 2 has helped us do that on a sort of much larger scale, really. Um, so what were kind of your sort of expectations going into HSMA? What did you think it was going to be like? Because you come from the sort of training sessions, the one-day yeah. training sessions we'd run. Um, I thought it would be like the training sessions, but, you know more in depth and, yeah. and continu- you know continuous sort of thing whereas you know the workshops were a day you know sort of learning there and then and a lot of the time we were finding them we wanted to go back and carry on doing stuff with what we've learned but yeah. just, we just didn't you know, it goes back to that, that time, yeah, isn't that it? It's, time yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so obviously you've you've um, you've been coming along to some of our sort of hackathons now. So these are little <laughs> events for those who don't know. We um, outside of the HSMA program, in order to sort of keep um, uh, everyone in contact and give people space to um, do some modelling and share ideas and collaborate, we run these sort of hackathons, which everyone who's been an HSMA is, is, is invited. Um, so, first of all, how, how are you sort of finding these things? Are they, are they sort of useful? I think there's been a massive leap between what I was doing in yeah. HSMA 1 and what um, the, the group did in HSMA 2. So, at the moment, I, find I'm a, I feel like I'm behind because <laughs> I really need to, you know, I'm not really used to coding. Well, I haven't done that. I'm not. I'm not going to say I'm not really. I'm really not. I have yeah. <laughs> no experience of coding whatsoever, other than looking over a colleague's shoulder and going, "What are you doing?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So. So that's a challenge, but yeah. I recognise that if I don't sort of bring myself up to speed on that, I'm going to lose my, you know, the skills that I learned as a HSMA, yeah, yeah. and that's yeah. why I'm really keen to keep coming and get my head you know around it properly so yeah. because I know that's kind of where this is going and and I know that there will be huge benefits to being able to do that yeah I, I think you're absolutely right and it's it's in some ways the sort of the, the perils and pitfalls of being part of a, a pilot mm. program in the, the I mean we, we very much I remember us sitting down um in uh February last year and uh, coming up with the uh, the training program for the for the uh, second HSMA program, and um, 
we, 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 there were a number of things that were happening at the time. We'd all, first of all, on the team switched to using completely free and open source software. Um, as this transition was happening just as HSMA was sort of beginning. Um, and we felt that was important, not just in terms of, so one of the things that came out of the first HSMA program was that, uh, you know, that people saw the benefits of um, using software like Simulate and, and, and uh, uh, could really see the, the advantages of doing that, but there's still a sort of financial barrier. It's, it's, it's a non-trivial amount of money to pay for a, a Simulate license, and then, you, you know, how many licenses do you need? Are you, are you uh, prepared to skill other people up in, in, in using that? So there was a kind of financial barrier, and also as a sort of an academic um, uh, notion of you know making sure that we're being open about the things that we do and you know share models if you you know build a model in a proprietary piece of software um, even something in Excel actually that, that you're then assuming the other person then has that in order to be able to access um, that piece of software or that, that model so um, there was very much a push for us to, to move towards um, free and open source solutions and that led to, and because we'd also expanded on the the amount of stuff that we were doing and that we were keen to support in HSMA, um, we ended up sort of rewriting this this training program. And we, 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 we looked very pleased with ourselves. We had a big whiteboard in the office and we'd written down all of these training sessions that we were going to do. And then it just dawned on us, we've actually got now got to write all this stuff. <laughs> we have nothing. Um, and so, you know, uh, uh, credit goes to, uh, particularly to, 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 to Mike and Sean, who uh, helped me with a lot of this, um, particularly Mike, who um, developed this huge amount of training material that's uh, now online, and Sean's now followed suit with um, uh, training materials around uh, R, um, huge amounts of stuff that we, had, that we had to sort of put together over the course of about four to six weeks. Um, but I think it really has changed the dynamic of um, HSMA and, and um, I, I think that there's real benefits in having that sort of broader uh, range of things we do and that openness to it. Um, but you're right, I think that because there has been such a, a big step change, uh, some of the things we're looking at doing now is, you know, sort of refresher courses, opening up to um, uh, some of the uh, original HSMAs, uh, for example, we want to find out a bit more. Um, or even, you know, some of the uh, second round age amazed who just need a bit of a refresher on some of this stuff um, to, to actually delve into the world of, you know, coding your models from yeah. scratch. Because I think there's a real um, push for this. Um, and, and Sean was saying at the last sort of hackathon that, you know, the, the, the skills, this is where the skills are going. People are increasingly young, people increasingly... Uh, becoming far more used to coding um, uh, in the same way that sort of my generation did. So I think um, uh, to be ahead of that curve is, is, is really useful. So hopefully HSMA can sort of uh, play a part of that. So um, you're no longer with the Ambulance Trust, you're now with no. uh, Devon AI Ambulance. So tell us a bit about what you're, what you're doing there. Um, so I'm a patient services auditor now for um, Devon Air Ambulance. And at all their aspects of audit work. Mm -hmm. um, I've been lucky enough to have their interest in all of this sort of thing. Um, you know, they fully support that in future this might, you know, at the moment mm. we don't really know that, you know, it's so new. Yes. Um, and we're sort of starting from scratch with a lot of the audit work. Yeah. So we kind of need to have lots of baseline stuff first mm -hmm. to know where we want to, you know, 
where we want to go, but um, to be able to have the skills and bring modelling into, you know, I, I'm sure there will be projects, you know, a little way down the line probably. But, yeah. um, you know, there's, there is a lot of, you know, we've been talking about natural language processing today. Well, a lot of, um, you know, probably not, probably not just ambulance, I'd imagine, a lot of healthcare records. Mm-hmm. Like, clinicians like free text. They like to be able to yes. just write freely <laughs> um, what's going on with their patient, which I can understand, but also makes it a real challenge for when you want to do any analysis. Yeah. So, um, you know, if we, if, yeah, if we can kind of crack that and be able to, you know, use... Um, use AI and stuff to process free text, yeah. you know, will be massively ahead of, you know, ahead of what, where we are now. Yeah. So. And I think that's, um, that's half the battle, actually, just knowing these things are available and out there that you yeah. can do them and, and actually, you know, do them very easily. So, you know, um, it probably looks far more imposing <laughs> to you at the moment because you, you haven't been exposed to all this stuff. But, you know, when you think about it and as Mike uh, sort of demonstrated this morning that you can have hugely complicated sort of neural networks and uh, all these uh, natural language uh, machine learning uh, techniques summed up in about five lines of code now because people have gone away and written all this stuff that you can sort of tap into um, and as long as you sort of you know generally understand in, in broad terms what it's doing that actually you've got these tools out there that, that aren't usable um, I think that's um, really important for understanding uh, what, um, how modelling and OR methods more generally can sort of help. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, what would you? What would be your message as a, as one of the pioneer sort of HSMAs? <laughs> what would be your message to anybody listening who might be interested in HSMA in the future? <laughs> um, I think it's been you know an incredible program to be part of. Um, it's taught me I've learned loads and really really changed you know learned completely new skills and that's amazing to have on your CV to be able to do these sorts of things um, uh, I think it's quite a unique thing as well at the mm-hmm. moment in the NHS it's quite a unique thing yeah. um, to be looking at problems in that way yeah. um, and I think there is there's more need for everything to be more evidence-based all the time and, that, and this really helps to do that. You need, you need really good data sat yeah. behind it yeah. um, and you need to be really familiar with your data, I think, yeah. as well, to be able to question it and validate it. Um, but I think not to be scared of, you know, to be scared of things that you don't know as well because I think the team have been really good. Our, you know, I can't speak for last year, but our first year was such a like close-knit group mm, yeah, you know yeah. we've sort of remained in contact since you know um i'd say probably trying not to get pregnant during it because <laughs> <laughs> because you do have then a big gap in, you know and i think it there is yeah i do i think there was a slight disadvantage to doing that because i think it would have i would have been in a different position um than where i was when i came back to work i think it probably would have just grew and grew and grew from yeah. that first point whereas I kind of had to have a bit of a remind my brain what I was doing <laughs> in the session <laughs> a few months before yes. and then you know and as I was sort of uh, towards leaving um, Swast 
there was more and more modelling stuff that they were saying, oh, but we need you to look at this for yeah, modelling yeah. and this and this and this. And, um, so I think, I think once people can understand the benefits of it, yeah. you know, and I, th- I was very, very lucky that um, my organisation did buy into the whole idea of it very um, right from the off, really, yeah. and that I was very well supported. Yeah. in being able to ring fence that time which I know a lot of people struggled with yeah absolutely and I, th- I think it's, it, it's, it's understandable it's a uh, you know one of the challenges when you're doing something like this which we've already said is you know it's an unknown quantity for, for many organisations many people um, to then ask people to sort of significantly invest you know a person for a day a week yeah. um, uh, for a year is, is, is not trivial so it, it's really reassuring actually to see so many people now jumping on board and hopefully the um, the two runs of the the program that we've had and and our sort of project work uh, outside of that has helped to to really push that forward. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Hannah. Thank you for joining <laughs> us. We are our second ever guest. We do we do get listeners to this. I was overjoyed when I um, first got. So we're now on iTunes. Uh, for those of you who um, have Apple devices um, or uh, iTunes on your on your computer, um, uh, I, I was overjoyed when I saw the initial iTunes metrics, and it said five people had listened in the last uh, twenty four hours. Wow, that's yeah, that's pretty good. We've only just launched it. Um, and then it said one person has listened for more than five minutes uh, and I thought okay well it's still one person and then realised that was me uh, listening back to the podcast so uh, hopefully uh, some of you are still listening by this point and the first five minutes of engage your interest um, I, I know uh, uh, Simon said that the uh, uh, a huge number of people at uh, Derriford have listened to the last podcast so hopefully they will, they will join us for this next one um, but uh, thank you again for joining us uh, and uh, just to say our next podcast will hopefully uh, be uh, be next month uh, when yet again uh, I'll be calling on uh, some unwitting victim to uh, to be our guest uh, for for this podcast um, if you do want to get in contact with us as a check out our website um, with contact details available there uh, until then see you again bye